You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of again. the game. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we're breaking down two offensive lineman additions, Isaiah Wynn and Cedric Ogbwehi, both signed here with your Miami Dolphins. Plus, we'll hear from Wynn in his first media availability as a member of the Fins, and we're also going to hear from Emmanuel Ogba and talk about his game a little bit. Sort of the forgotten man there in that pass rush rotation, but I'm going to tell you why you should not forget about Emmanuel Ogba. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. So we've got signings to talk about here on the show, which always makes for a fun episode because... Breaking down tape, if you don't know already, you should know if you're a fan of the podcast, is my favorite thing to do. So it's three moves in total, and we start with a defensive back, Bryce Thompson, who spent this season with the Seattle Sea Dragons. And by the way, I kind of feel like Justin Timberlake in the Facebook movie could help me out here. Just Dragons. Drop the C. Not everything in Seattle has to be Sea Mariners, Sea Sonics, Sea Kraken. And... I'm guilty here of highlight scouting, but I found a clip put together by Dolphins Twitter legend Josh House, and there are some skills that jump off the tape immediately that that really jive with what Coach Fangio has prioritized in his past stops the cornerback position, tackling, playing downhill. He is driving on screens, flares, and hitches, and coming up and hammering ball carriers, plays super aggressive, plays faster than he tested. He was on the field for 19 special team snap as a rookie, and then 75 total last year, six of those on the defensive side. And he had a penchant for finding the football at the college level and the XFL. Three, three, and two picks his three years there in Tennessee, and then two this season with the Seattle Sea Dragons, or just the Dragons, To the tackling point, two sacks in college, and then 34, 32, and 36 total tackles. He plays with his hair on fire, and now he joins a super, super deep defensive back room. And then we have two more signings here on the offensive line. Let's go ahead and start with Cedric Abwehi, who's been in the league for quite a while now. A first-round pick of the Bengals back in 2015. He's played 67 career games but just 35 starts, so lots of games off the bench, lots of games as that sixth extra offensive lineman attached in the heavy personnel packages that teams have ran over the years. He was with Cincy from 2015 through 2018, played 14 games for the Jaguars in 2019 before winding up with the Seahawks for that pandemic year, 2020. He played in eight games that season, started four of those games. They trade him to Baltimore in 2021. He played three games and started one between the two teams there before winding up with the Jets last season for seven games and five starts. So he's seen a lot of schemes. He's seen lots of buildings. He's seen lots of coaching staffs. Most recently with Mike LaFleur's offense there in New York, which we have discussed the similarities, right, between the Jets system a year ago as a 
arm off the branch that is Mike McDaniel, that is from the Kyle Shanahan tree and how both those coaches really developed their systems and cut their teeth under the same coach, which typically gives you lots of the same concepts and you go off your different ways and you construct things for your team and under the the way you kind of develop your own plan. But really a lot of the terminology, a lot of the principles and rules are going to be similar. So he has that going for him right away. And between the incumbents and the majority of the offensive additions this offseason, I mean, legit, the majority, right? Like Braxton Berrios, Mike White, Dan Feeney, and now Cedric Abwehi. I mean, you haven't added a ton of players to the offense, but that's that is the majority of the guys coming from that jet system and a similar system here not to mention what you had last year with the 49ers guys with you know Trent Sherfield River Craycraft you found a way to basically build your offense this season with guys that it's not their first go around in this system and, and trust me that that's the continuity that develops off of that it really rings true because I've asked everybody from Tua Tungavailoa, nice name drop, right? Mike McDaniel, not bad either. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Daniel Jeremiah. I've asked all of them. Greg Cosell, I've asked, whoever you want to talk about, I've asked those people about second year in an offensive system, and they've all explained the value of how much more of that playbook you can open up when you can fast track your install that you had to do in the first spring program. Like Brett Coleman talked about how, how thick this playbook is, right? And how when you're going through installation that's going to take up some time before you can get into the back pages as it were but when you start from level four or five whatever you want to call it all of a sudden you can thumb through those pages and install more and have guys understand more wrinkles and adaptations and different you know looks off of different formations from that same playbook so back to Agwehi you go back to his pre-draft profile and Lance Zerline from NFL.com wrote this he should be a plus run blocker especially on stretch plays now he did also detail that Obwehi was more projection than production. And that wound up to be true because it just didn't click for him in really any of the stops that he went to in previous years. He had some good play and some good moments. There was a fun clip that uh, Ben Fennell from uh, CBS, or, or no, check that, NFL Films, um, tweeted a video of him shutting down Von Miller last year in the game against the Buffalo Bills for a couple of snaps and providing that offense some protection in an in a offense where injuries were really the story of that Jets offensive line last year and protecting quarterback play that was also shaky behind it. So for him to do a job on Von Miller and produce enough offense for the Jets to beat the Bills in that game, it speaks to what he can give you in a pinch. And maybe that is what you aspire for in a potential swing tackle, right? But you talk about the run blocking on stretch plays. Like that's what I read and really bolded here in my profile and you know, look, this podcast, we talk about what guys can do and how we think they project as fits and you know potential hits on the roster. And I'll give you the, the notes on what I, you know, what I think guys struggle with as well. But really, my focus is to say, here's what the maybe the thinking might be and how this guy could be a potential benefit to the roster. But you also have to acknowledge that it hasn't worked for him. Pass protection has been shaky. There's lots of bad reps out there in that regard. But it is a veteran acquisition in the month of May for a guy that's seen, you know, a lot of snaps in the NFL. You can't like you're not going to add all pros this part of the calendar. Right. So just have the expectation or I should say um, the, the understanding of of what we're looking at here. But just giving you a snapshot of what it looks like he might be able to translate to in this Dolphins system. 
you know, maybe, maybe there's a chance that it clicks for him. And he's played 2,236 career snaps, and that's pretty much exclusively at right tackle. It is exclusively at the tackle position. He played one game for the Seahawks at left tackle back in 2020. But before that, the last time he played left tackle actually was an entire season in 2019 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got the length and height to protect that edge, and it's going to be a a pretty big juxtaposition to the guy we're going to talk about next in Isaiah Wynn. And I'm seeing a boy he listed at 6'5", 308 via Pro Football Focus. Who knows what he actually is right now. We'll probably get that updated when we have him to the roster here. Uh, sometime this week, but his last year as a full-time, you know, long-time starter, like the entire year, was 2017 with the Bengals. So he played a lot with the Jets last year, decent chunk with the Seahawks in 2020. Just hasn't really had that like 16, 17 game season where you can point to and say that was the year that he really showed you what he's capable of. He's 31 years old at this point of his career. Like I said, seen lots of the league. He's seen lots of coaches and different systems. And he has a chance to come in here and compete because all of a sudden today, that right tackle position has a lot more than it had yesterday. And uh, we'll get to that here in a second. But just recapping what the line looks like right now, like this to me, by far the position group or the battle that I'm going to be watching for the most in terms of training camp competitions because you just have tons of guys in position to make a push for playing time. Guys that have played in the league and performed at high levels at times. Maybe not sustained, you know, consistent high levels. We're not talking about, you know, adding a player here that you expect to make a Pro Bowl, but guys that maybe maybe it's a system fit for. Maybe it's that competition does bring out the best in them. It's it's not the worst way to go about it. And, you know, Chris Greer talked all off season, and I, I saw the tweets. I saw the social engagement about it. Like, everyone's mad that we're not adding people to the roster. Well, here you go. Here's two guys with Cedric Abuehi and Isaiah Wynn. Now, again, the, the caliber, that, that's up for debate. But you cannot say there was not competition added to that right tackle position heading into training camp. And last year, you know, Mike McDaniel had mentioned that Teron Armstead at the league meetings was a left tackle. No question about that. Obviously a future Hall of Fame level player uh, that Armstead is. That makes perfect sense that he's set in stone. They've talked this year about how much they like Rob Hunt at right guard and are not really that interested in moving him to right tackle because he's shown you that he has Pro Bowl level capability at that guard position. And then after the way Connor Williams played in the pivot last year, I think it's pretty safe to project that's your planned left tackle, center, and right guard. But then the other two spots and the depth you need to get through an NFL season, most teams require eight linemen to be able to play in a given year. So when teams talk about, oh, our front five is great, that's good, but plan on losing a couple of those guys for you know stretches of play. You're going to have to plug in six, seven, maybe even the eighth player off the bench at various points. It's just difficult to maintain the same five all year, and not to mention even like six or seven guys. Like Usually you, you shuffle through offensive linemen. So now you've got former first-round picks, Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wynn, and Cedric Oboihe. And you're going to say, Travis, that's a list of guys that didn't work out for them. Yeah, so far it hasn't. But, you know, I go back to what Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks have said on the Move the Sticks podcast for years. First-round picks, they have a long shelf life because the talent is there. And you just hope that at one point you can plug a guy in and it clicks for him. Like, you know, what if what if there's a Geno Smith here among this group? Like, what if there is? You, you, you never know. And could it be better? Sure. Could it? Could the offensive line have you know more All Pros across it? 
Sure, but you're not going to have a roster in the NFL that has all pros at every spot. And we've already heard that Mike McDaniel talk about this, right? Like the idea was to put skill players and explosive playmakers around Tua Tungavailoa because he gets the ball out faster than any other quarterback in the NFL. Sands like, I think it was Tom Brady had a quicker time to throw last year. Like there was only a couple quarterbacks with a faster time to throw and he had the furthest downfield depth of target on average. So we're getting the ball pushed downfield the furthest with the quickest time to throw half the time you don't need an offensive line. Like, yeah, you got to stand in front of him and create that wall for two seconds, but two seconds is not enough time for a counter move. Just stand in front of a guy and that's going to work. So you can do that for, you know, your rhythm offense for your on schedule offense. When you have to protect longer is when you fall behind schedule, you get in third long and that might be an issue. Was it last year? No, it was the best third and long offense in the NFL when two was healthy. So I just look at this argument about what the offensive line needs. And I, I tend to side more, surprise, surprise, with what Mike McDaniel said. So I'm thinking about how that all pairs together. And I put that video on Twitter of, of Tua in the Packers game, throwing that 84-yard touchdown to Jalen Waddell. If you didn't see the, the breakdown I put on Twitter, I talked about how much Tua processes information in a short period of time with the anticipation and location of that throw. And to me, that clip that I put on there talking about reading the leverage of the perimeter corner of the, of the field side corner, the, you know, leverage of that post safety, who's flat footed, the hook defenders, not having the speed to contend with Waddle, even though they're outflanking him by five yards and Tua turning his back to the defense with play action with a numbers disadvantage to the backside, three to two, meaning you're hot. Ball's going to come out now. So he adapts to a fadeaway throw to buy that extra half second. And even with the arm, you know, dropped arm angle, not having his feet set, delivering that football, it puts you in a position where one bad angle, which the Packers took on that play, takes Waddle out the gate, and then it's night-night time, dirt nap time, 84 yards, showing the taillights, look at the 1-7, and then you get to watch him do the Waddle in the end zone behind you. That's what this team is built to do. And so I look at the offensive line with those guys, those first-round picks. you got another second-rounder uh, with Liam Eikenberg, who was the 42nd pick in the draft a couple of years ago. Another second-round pick in Dan Feeney. We saw Kendall Lamb make that brief cameo last year, but Again, tell me if you think it's Kendall Lamb or the system, but no pressures in the 30-plus snaps that he played. Lester Cotton got into a game last year in the playoffs, playoffs, and I thought he played you know, decently, at least enough to where it wasn't like, oh, damn, the left guard is having a tough time. That didn't happen in that game. So I'm looking at this group and thinking you might have some tough choices to make in terms of the final 53 because let's say you do carry eight, you're going to have three reserves who can conceivably be starters coming off the bench, and that just hasn't been the case in the past. It's been before that going deep into the, the, the street free agents. It's been Julian Davenport coming off the bench to play that spot for you. So if, if there's just two spots for the guys we mentioned above, that means you've got two winners and then what? Like four to five guys that were in competition to start who now provide depth off the bench for you at a position where you're probably going to need it at some point. So I'm excited to see what Bear, uh, Butch Berry can do with these guys, the new offensive line coach. They're giving him a lot of talent to mold and craft into his room. And this year will definitely be the top area I'm watching in training camp and OTAs, which by the way, starts next week. And as we're going to talk about here in one second, how vi- valuable and I guess viable coaching on the offensive line is in terms of increasing production or decreasing production and how important that can be with Isaiah Wynn's breakdown. That's next. We'll come back and talk about that, hear from his media availability. And then on the third segment, we'll talk about Emmanuel Ogba. Plenty to come your way here on a Tuesday. That's all next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation.
So another addition across the offensive line here in the month of May. Isaiah Wynn, a first-round pick of the Patriots back in 2018, and there is no shortage of talent when it comes to this player. A lot of folks mentioned him as one of the top offensive line prospects that year coming out of Georgia with both tackle and guard flexibility. In fact, here's what Lance Zerline, who's going to do the podcast here, I think this week, of NFL.com said, Wynn is talented, technically sound blocker with, uh, check, check that, Wynn is a talented, technically sound block winner with a demeanor that offensive line coaches will love. His athleticism allows for quick advantages as a run blocker, while his hand strength and footwork helps him sustain those advantages into open running lanes. His plus pass protection will be appealing to teams looking for help in that area, and he is capable of sliding out to tackle in an emergency. So he's talking about him as a guard here, obviously. He appears to have the technique and to, and the play traits to overcome any concerns about size and could become an early starter. Now, Wynn did miss his entire rookie season with an injury, but he was an immediate hit on that Patriots offensive line. I remember writing my first ever game preview as a member of the Miami Dolphins staff here for that 2020 week one game and highlighting that Wynn was the anchor of the strength of their football team, the offensive line. They built a power gap run scheme around Damian Harris behind the line of he and Trent Brown and David Andrews and Michael and Wenu after Joe Tooney went to Kansas City in free agency. So that year, 2019 for Win, 333 pass blocking snaps, 14 QB pressures. That's a pass block efficiency of 95, pretty damn good for the tackle position. And then 2020, it was 94.7 with 16 pressures on 337 pass blocking snaps. He played a lot more the following season with 518 snaps. And once again, in the 94 range, 94.1, 28 pressures. That's on 518 snaps. This last year was off to a good start. In fact, he had his best PFF grade of his career in the week one game against us at right tackle. No pressures allowed in that game. He did play the next eight weeks at the right tackle position before moving to left guard against Indy in week nine and then kicked out to left tackle after a bye week for the game against the Jets. And then he was injured in that game for the rest of the season. But the whole year last year was strange the way he shuffled and moved around positions. We'll talk about that here more in just one second. But for his career, over 2,500 snaps on 50 or 43 games, rather, 40 of those starts. And again, move the sticks, guys. Talking about not giving up on first round talent, it's worth investing in because there's lots of tape there to like. There's lots of tape there to be like, ooh, that wasn't good. And that's why he's in this position, right? That's why you find yourself available because if the tape is all good, you're going to be signed to a long extension. But it's up to the Dolphins now to cultivate the talent and find a way to get that into production on Sundays. And you go back and watch some of it from even this last year where it was changing positions, a scheme overhaul, new coach in the offensive line room, and he's showing you the ability to handle both speed and power. Like there's a clip in 2021 against the Buffalo Bills, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, two completely different players with different pass rush plans. One's more speed, one's more power. And he has those different shots in his bag, his cut, his fade, his power draw. I'm playing a lot of golf lately, but he has that capability. Now, is he like me? And he's going to hit three good ones in a row and then have two blow up holes. Maybe, maybe he will, but you have it in the bag, a good scramble partner, perhaps. Now, we are in this position now where you have a battle between the right tackle position between Wynn and Austin Jackson and Cedric Abwehi, I suppose, as well, and a left guard battle between you know Liam, Rob Jones, and Dan Feeney. Plus, there's a viable left tackle on the roster not named Teron Armstead. I don't think you could say that two days ago. Coaching staff of the Patriots last year was a little dubious, and 
you know, we saw Mac Jones having those interactions on the sidelines with the coaching staff and how it just never really seemed copacetic. And there was lots of frustration throughout training camp into the season, a scheme change they scrapped really early in the season, going from the Kyle Shanahan style stretch offense to back to their gap man scheme that they've ran for years in the, pre, in the you know years prior. And this guy was really good when Dante Scarnecchia was the offensive line coach. His first two years there played under Scarnecchia, and he looked like the next left tackle of the Patriots to be great. They found those guys time and time again, and he looked like the next one. But then they promote a quality control coach to offensive line coach for 2020 and 2021. And he was good in 2020, maybe slipped a bit in 2021. But then last year, you get a staff that looks like a happy Madison production and that the coaching staff is made up of Rob Schneiders and a, did you just make a joke, Bobby? That guy. And what did we see all year but, you know, disconnect between the coaches and players and, you know, nothing short of a mutiny there in terms of the offensive coaching staff. There wasn't even a offensive line coach listed on their lineup. And if Wynn isn't, you know, some diehard grinder, he was probably at the forefront of a little bit of that and not a, you know, great look, but I'm not sure I'd blame a player for checking out when, you know, there's Adam Sandler style coaching on the sidelines. You know, they would pull him out of games when like in third and five, like take him off the field. Like that's not a good way to get into a rhythm. Now, what I think about the fit here is that we ran more duo last year than anything else in terms of run scheme. And the key to duo is the front side getting vertical to climb and attach to the Mike linebacker. And that's what he does. Now, there are times where he's late off the snap, but he's clearly got the best first step on the New England offensive line. And if you can get him into Tua's cadence into that rhythm and get off the football first, there's lots to work with there, man. I'm excited about the signing. I think it has a chance to be our, our, long, our, our right tackle this season. We'll find out. Let's go ahead and hear from him now in his media availability, which began on Tuesday afternoon. And I apologize for this audio. I'm not sure why it sounds the way it does, but it does. And the first question here for Isaiah, who, by the way, was super likable, talked about how he's a big reader. He told me about a story, a book that he read about a guy who fell asleep at the wheel and his car careened off a cliff and he survived and it changed his life for the better. Just really interesting dude, super easygoing and was really nice to all of us. Let's go ahead and start here with my question for Isaiah about why the Dolphins? Definitely the coaching staff and the players, man. You know, they're, they're definitely building something special. So, uh, I mean, uh, who wouldn't want to be a part of it? So, and, and then get the opportunity to come home. Uh, that was a no-brainer for me, no doubt. And, of course, it's a good opportunity to ask him, what are you looking at when you see this Dolphins pass rush on the other side of you? You play this team two times a year for the last four years. What do they got cooking over there? Oh, they, they, they speed. I mean, they, these guys move, and uh, they, they're all strong. So, uh, it is definitely something I look forward to to be able to go against them and practice and, you know, hone in on my skills and, and get better. Really like this followed up here from Joe Shad about the uh, question I had for Isaiah about the book. And <clears throat> he was asked, where are you at in your story? What what chapter are we on in, in your story of your career here? Oh, man, this is a whole new chapter, man. That thing just started getting written. So y'all got to stay tuned, man. Y'all got to stay tuned. So. It's a whole new chapter, dog, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. So stay tuned. Stay tuned to the Win With Win book, man, the Win With Win story. If you guys want to find that entire media availability, go ahead and check out the team YouTube channel. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side and hear from Emmanuel Ogba. That's next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. So we hear from Isaiah Wynn there. We're going to hear from Emmanuel Ogba in just a moment. But before we do that, I just want to go back to his last fully healthy season and appreciate what Ogba has done on the field. 
across the street here in recent years. I know that when players get hurt, it can be easy to forget about their production and forget about them in general, but I think Emmanuel is definitely worth noting here because this man recorded 127 quarterback pressures over two seasons here with Miami. That includes 45 QB hits and 18 sacks. He also added 56 run stops. Those are tackles within a certain percentage of the yards to gain on a given snap. All of those stats are top 12 among all DN slash outside linebackers, edge defenders, right? Over that two-year span. Don't forget about that. Just before we go to his media, I want to run this clip from the Fish Tank episode that Emmanuel Ogba did a couple weeks back. Here he is talking about how excited he is for the upcoming season. All right, you know, let's talk some football. Let's talk a little football, right? (laughs) Seth and I are talking about the roster and everything is starting to come together. You know, we got a healthy Emmanuel Ogba back. You know, we got a young Jalen Phillips. We got Chubb. You know, we got Van Ginkle. You know, we're, we're actually, as fans, we're playing like fantasy football with, yeah. you know, and just imagine how, how incredible it is. You got Vic Fangio's, you know, defensive scheme. Is it hard for you guys not to get excited about the possibilities with what you guys can do up front right now? We just got to worry about the now. So that's, yeah. that's what Mike says all the time. Worry about the <laughs> you now. You took that deep breath. Though. I know, like, I know, I know. We get focused here. I, I, like, I I'm like, Just like y'all see, we see it too. I'm telling you. But yeah, we're definitely excited about it. But yeah, like Mike always says, like focus on the now. Attack the now. You know, right now we're OTA. Well, phase one right now. We got to attack that. And uh, having Vic is uh, having a new system. You know, I got to learn that as well. So right now we're in the learning phase of it. So So you hear Emmanuel talking there about football. He covered that, of course, in the media availability today as well. But he also kind of followed up on the stuff there regarding his trip to Africa. But I want to direct you back to the Fish Tank podcast for more on that because those guys got some really good stuff with Emmanuel Ogba in that interview. I went ahead and asked Emmanuel about his camp that he has coming up here in July and what is so important for him to have a camp for younger players to come out and kind of, I guess, adopt a role model in a person like Emmanuel. Here he is talking about his football camp for the youth coming up this July. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I have it uh, every year. I'm excited about it. You know, talk to the kids, you know, just encourage them, you know, talk about my trip to Africa, you know, kind of try to inspire them. Uh, just show them, like, those kids, they don't have much, and they have more than them. They have football here, and those kids don't have football. So I kind of just inspire them and just see, you know, how they take it. So. Let's finish up right here with Emmanuel, where he discusses the idea of having Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. He was, he was asked about, you guys only had one game together last year as a complete, you know, unit until your injury took you out for the rest of the season. And I think it's interesting here because you look at the Dolphins' relatively, I guess, embarrassment of riches they have in that pass rush. How do you get all these guys as many snaps? Emmanuel discussed the role of playing all over the defensive line. We've seen him condense inside as a three technique and really rush over a guard and create space for guys inside, outside. I think both he and Phillips have that capability. And so when you think about, like, Maybe the depth on the defensive line is not what you want it to be, but you think about how many different starter caliber guys they have and how many different fronts you can run with even odd fronts, guys standing up, guys standing down, guys condensing in, guys going out. There's all kinds of options you can really utilize these elite-level players we have with Phillips, with Chubb, with Ogba. These guys are some of the best players of their position. Here's Emmanuel Ogba talking about the potential of having all those guys on the field for a game together for just the second time since they all got here last year. Yeah, now nah, it's big. Um, we all we all obviously talented bunch, but I'm excited. You know, I'm I'm sure Vic is gonna drop some some packages that that's gonna have us in there. Um, I'm excited about this new defense that we got going. Uh, unfortunately, I know I got hurt last year, so we didn't get to see all what we can do on the field together. 
but you know, um, it's a new season. And I'm excited about it. Too. All right, so there you go. Emmanuel Ogba, Isaiah Wynn. We broke down the tape. We talked about Bryce Thompson. Lots of good stuff for you here on this podcast, at least I feel. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get out of here now, though. I, I did tell you guys we, we were going to have the Emory Hunt podcast for you all today. That has been bumped. That will be the next episode we do, I promise, Thursday. Keep an eye for that. We also have Shane Beamer from South Carolina, the head coach there, talking about Cam Smith. We've got plenty more content like that coming your way here. Fun times ahead on drive time. We have kind of taken a little bit of a new approach here. I'm excited about what we're going to do content-wise coming up this season. So keep it locked. Go ahead and tell a friend about the podcast. Maybe they, they were sour from previous episodes. I don't know what the case may be. But I'm telling you guys, we're coming back better, bigger and better than ever this year. Tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word, get us out there, and put us right back in that top 100 where this podcast belongs. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast that we tease there. Seth and Juice do a great job all the time with that stuff. Check out the YouTube channel for some Fish Tank, for some Drive Time, for some other video content like media availabilities and Dolphins Today and much, much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron. Daddy's coming over.